From the Madison Metropolitan School District, this is Lead to Liberate, a podcast documenting stories of inspiration, growth, and empowerment across our schools. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Lead to Liberate. I am Dr. Carlton D. Jenkins. I am your podcast host. I am the superintendent, very proud superintendent, of one of the best school districts in the country, Madison Metropolitan School District. Today, we have with us a very exciting guest. As you know, we like to try to peel it back, tell it like it is, and have everyone really understand what is it to lead to liberate. Our guest today is very special. Our guest was actually the 22-23 Principal of the Year in the state of Wisconsin, competed for Principal of the Year nationally. She's exciting. We have with us Dr. Ebby Anu. Dr. Anu, how are you? I'm great, thank you, and thank you for having me here today, Dr. Jenkins. Yeah, it's, it's great having you, and we often refer to her as Dr. Anu because some people don't say Dr. Ebby, but so <laughs> tell us about that too, uh, you know, Anu Ebby. Where does this come from? Well, my birth name is Anuradha Rangaswamy. I was born in India, um, and I came to the United States after, when I got married, I changed my name to Abby. But a lot of the students in MMSD still know me as Miss Rangaswamy. <laughs> oh, wow, that's, that's exciting, just the name itself. She's quite the story beyond her name. Can you tell us how you kind of like got into education? What inspired you to want to be a difference maker? Absolutely. So that goes back, way back to um, when I was living in India. And um, when I was about 11 years old, we were living in a city called Hyderabad. And none of the girls in my neighborhood were biking. And I was the first one to insist that I learn how to bike. Mm. And the entire community was very angry that that was happening and came and protested in front of our house. My mom stood up for me and in that moment, my mom and dad said, we need to send her to the United States. So like, you know, even back then, I was constantly fighting for equality, for social justice, for myself, and also for everyone around me. And then when I came to the United States, I came to live with my sister and her wonderful family in in the suburb of St. Louis. And um, during that time, it was right in the middle of the desegregation program. And it was 1984 and my 10th grade year. And I'll give you a minute to do the math. Right, 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 (laughs) right. right, right. And so then, uh, during that year, one of my teachers asked me to stand up in front of the class. um, And the class took votes on whether I looked more black or white. Mm. And wait a minute, wait a minute. You're saying the class Mm -hmm. in 1984 Mm -hmm. took a vote on whether or not you look more white or black. Yeah. Not understanding who and what you really were at the time. Wow. Yeah. Talk to us about it. Yeah. So this was right in the middle of the desegregation program, right in St. Louis, where students from East St. Louis who are mostly black and some brown students um, were being bused into suburbs. So our school community was changing. 
and I don't think the teachers knew what um, to do, how to interact with our students, how to teach. Um, and this, these were the kind of the approaches that they were taking, which was really, I think, for everybody, just shook us to the core, shook me to the core, um, for sure. Seeing that um, I was seen in that light, it impacted my identity in a way that was not good. I tried to start assimilating rather than being me. You mean that one activity where the students mm -hmm. were voting on you began to shake you had a serious socio-emotional, psychological, mm -hmm. mental kind of effect on you. Absolutely. In a way that um, impacted me for many, many years, um, mm. till even I became a teacher at Memorial High School. At Madison. Memorial High School, right here in Madison. Right okay, here, here we go. Madison. Tell us about it <laughs> yeah. now. Lead that to liberate. Was, that was 1998, right? And I was hired to teach in this alternative program called School Within a School. It was just like, I felt like I had landed my dream job. I wanted to work at, you know, with students of color, and that's how the system was set up back then, um, where the many of the students I was working with um, were uh, black, almost all of them, and a few um, Latinx students. And the system had clearly failed them miserably. Um, and I could see it because these students were brilliant. They were bright in so many ways um, that they had not been given the proper instruction. Mm -hmm. um, so I became, um, you know, I, I started learning, learning a lot about our school system and I really had to change me because I had all these years like spent all this time assimilating and trying to fit into this norm and just having those students in front of me I can't do that anymore mm. so my students I have to be who I am and show them that so that they too can be who they are bring their authentic selves to the learning and together we we did that so at this point you beginning to liberate right <laughs> yeah you had to leave and now it's time to be liberated so that you can also help others become liberated yeah. so what did it feel like you know the students here they are primarily <laughs> african-american latinx mm -hmm. here you are coming in have they recognized yet that she no uh, what is <laughs> she okay what does that mean yes right so this is the funny part like I would, you know, they would say, can I call you just Miss R? Because back then my name was Miss Rangaswamy. And I would say, no, you have to learn to spell my entire name correctly. Oh, wow. Yeah, and they got extra credit for it. Wow. And I, I also will learn your names and pronounce them correctly. So there was this understanding about that. But there was also like, you know, this deep work we did around social emotional learning, but also the academics. Um, connecting the work, um, the, the learning in the classroom to what was important to the students, lifting their voice. We had incredible family engagement. Um, right. Our families were in the classroom um, supporting us all the time. And it's because we spent the time fostering those relationships. And one of the students um, wrote to me some years later, who is now working for a nonprofit, and said, thank you for teaching me how to read. 
And I wasn't a reading teacher at that time. I was right. a science and math teacher. Right. But I had to take on this identity to teach all of it, right? As right. a teacher, I'm a reading teacher, I'm a math teacher, I'm a science teacher, so that my students could succeed. So as a part of liberation, you have to learn to teach the children and not mm -hmm. just the content. Yes. And you did something kind of special that as you became liberated yourself, you began to understand the power of connections mm -hmm. for others and seeing the children and them seeing you. And I think that was really masterful to have them to learn how to spell your name. Mm -hmm. Just saying your name was one thing, but then to spell it correctly and you were also uh, reciprocally learning how to spell their names and learning the students. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's pretty powerful. So tell us from moving from that, mm -hmm. okay, now you're having this powerful experience, you're a teacher. And you wanted to go into administration. Mm -hmm. What happened? How, how did that happen? So a lot of that was actually inspired at first by my students. Um, they, you know, they saw that we were making changes in the classroom together. And some of them said to me, you know, you should think about becoming a principal at a school so that you can, you know, do more for more kids. So they were the ones who first put the wow. thought into my head. And I thought, oh, that's, that's interesting. Let me look into that. And at that time, I was still new to the United States relatively. I didn't know much about the American school system, so right. I was still learning. And then I became principal when, you know, got my doctorate in leadership and became principal at Shorewood Hills Elementary in Madison. And that school ha was very, it's still very diverse. About mm -hmm. 30 different languages are spoken. Right. Um, and, you know, um, it was a school that n had so many language learners that one of the first things we did together to educate, to liberate, is to really ensure that the education we are providing our students is truly inclusive. That our ELs and any student is not being pulled out of the classroom, um, wow. taken somewhere else for instruction. But how do we truly, as teachers, and the teachers are amazing, collaborate and plan together for all students in the classroom, right? How right. do we differentiate instruction and ensure every student is achieving at high levels? Wow, so that particular strategy, uh, you pushed it pretty hard. And so when we talk about all of these disparities that we see, Wisconsin being number one in the nation, mm -hmm. Madison, here we are sitting with some of the highest achieving students, but yet we have some serious disparities that mirror those of Wisconsin, so you're pushing in like that. What happened to the disparities with all of those ELL mm -hmm. students uh, in that particular school? What, what happened? Sure. What did the data say? I, I wanna back up a little bit before I talk about, about the data because when we started doing that inclusive work, the biggest thing, biggest work we all had to do is change our mindsets mm. um, about what um, instruction is um, or should be to real, I mean, really unlearning what we had learned um, and, you know, in our university teaching, in our, you know, learning from our society that helped made us so acculturated into this white supremacy culture, right? We had to unlearn that, mm -hmm. shift our mindsets mm. and really begin thinking um, and really, you know, talking about 
and helping our students understand that we believe that all students can succeed at high mm -hmm. levels. So that was the first step. And then really reorganizing instruction so that students get what they need right in the classroom. And what we saw in our data was pretty incredible. Mm. Um, we saw all students achieving at high level. We wow. had 85% proficiency or around that ballpark every year. With all students? Mm -hmm. wow. With all students. And you know, there, was, there were years when um, I remember looking at some data where 100% of our African-American students were proficient. You said 100% um, of your African-American students were proficient. Were proficient in reading. Specifically. In reading, specifically. And, and, and so it's possible. It's possible. And that's, wow. that's the um, spirit and that's, the, um, that's what we need to keep thinking about. This is actually possible because race is a social construct. We made it up. Wow. You heard it right here on Lead to Liberate. <laughs> race is a social construct pushing in the power of believing that all children, 100% of the African-American children in reading, were proficient. That's powerful, yeah. Dr. Evie, that's powerful. It was, it was, it, it's, it's amazing, you know, when, when we achieved like that um, as a school. And then in 2017, uh, we earned the award, um, the National Blue Ribbon Award for High Academic Achievement. The National Blue Ribbon Award. Mm -hmm. Wow, for high academic achievement. And it's the work that the whole community did together, right? The wow. The teachers, that, the students, the families. Wow, that's mm -hmm. a award nationally recognized for cumulative work. That just wasn't one year. Yep. So what you started in terms of pushing in, knowing that you had 30% uh, different languages, 30 different languages in your building, and pushing in on all children 85% proficiency, 100% proficient some years with the African-American students, that's leading to liberate. Mm -hmm. And it reminds me of that very little girl who wanted to ride a bike <laughs> in her neighborhood yeah. and the protests happened in front of her family. And in spite of that, or should we say because of that, it led you right here to Madison, Wisconsin, where you showed as a teacher and you showed as a principal. But now you've been elevated to deputy uh, associate superintendent. Yeah. What's your plan? What are you planning to do right here at Madison? How are you gonna impact and continue to lead to liberate? So now as the deputy associate superintendent of middle schools, and I just love doing this work, um, I think about and reflect on, you know, everything, my, my experience as a leader so far, and what I've learned from all my colleagues around me in the community and our scholars. Um, as I do this work as well. Um, we are in a pandemic, right? And, uh, and we've learned in this pandemic that um, it, it, it has exasperated all the uh, inequities that exist in our community. So um, with, with that in mind, we are always putting social emotional learning and well-being of students First. For example, this year, you know, the big conversation we had with principals together was how do we start the year centering on social emotional learning, centering on relationships, um, making sure that every scholar who walks into our building has a trusted adult. 
um, that they can go to? How do we foster collaboration among our young people in the classroom so that they can support one another and problem solve? What routines are we establishing in the classroom? So that was the first go-to um, you know, to start the school year. But then also leaning into academics, right? Um, thinking about what do we need um, our students to be able to do, our scholars to be able to learn and do, not just now, but down in the future. What, um, what are they gonna be doing in high school? What are they gonna be doing beyond high school? Thinking about all of those things and planning. Um, so that means really thinking about what standards and high expectations we are putting in front of our students every day and how are we breaking it down for students. So if our scholars are needing um, a specific skill, how are we providing those, the targeted still skills instruction right in the classroom, whether it's reading, whether it's math, social emotional learning, whatever it is. How are we doing that in the classroom and supporting them? How are we getting them to think about their futures what does it mean to be ready for high school and beyond through the ACP learning, um, the um, academic and career planning is ACP. What does a GPA mean? What, what is expected of you in high school? Thinking about that right away in sixth grade. Um, so those are all of the things we are doing and also at the same time right now we're uh, in the middle of looking at curriculum adoption for literacy in middle school. Wow, Dr. Ebby, I'm telling you, this has really been one of my favorite shows. And just to hear directly from you, she's like an icon here in Wisconsin and throughout our district. Everyone knows her, all the children know her. That's the most important part. And the way that you lead, you have led, and what you're going to do for MMSD, we are so grateful for that. And we know that we're headed. It's not good enough to just do one right? National Blue Ribbon School. We're going to have several of our schools become National Blue Ribbon yes. under her leadership as she partnered with her friend in crime, Dr. Hicks herself, okay? So thank you for joining us. Listeners, thank you again for listening to Lead to Liberate. Right here, we try to uncover some of those things that are breakthroughs to help everyone to become liberated. We know that we can do it. You heard Dr. Abby, 100% of African-American students were proficient in reading. Did you hear? We can do it. So let's come back together again next week, and I look forward to you being here with us. Thank you again, Dr. Eric, for all that you've done for us. Thank you, Dr. Jenkins. You're listening to Lead to Liberate, a podcast by the Madison Metropolitan School District demonstrating how the more we know, the more we grow.